activism had always been there. From the second when something that is yours is taken, you 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 riot. In the Val, uh, the very first ones were happening in in Tebang, and then Mafika uh, DCU, and 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 then and then Makokonde are still very defiant till today. Uh, but now I think uh, the Midval municipality has managed to do whatever that they are doing. But what had happened is that we cannot pinpoint and say in the Val where has activism started. Mm. It has always been there. From the second when what, uh, things that are yours were taken, for the second when your livelihood is dispossessed, that's that's when you, from the second when they signed the treaty of Farianache, that's when activism was was being when that's when the lines were the lines were drawn. Hi, and welcome to A Yearning for Change, a people-centered podcast series that is covering the local government elections in the Val. And I am your host, Lerato Mojere. In the previous episode, we touched on how Perenaging was founded and established. And we also went into the Second Anglo-Boer War and the Peace Treaty and how that essentially was the making of South Africa with the deliberate exclusion of black people's enfranchisement. In part two of where we come from, we'll be talking about the roots of activism in the world. So let me give you a background on how I learned of some of the world's history. The first time I went to Sharpville was the 21st of March, 2008 with my best friend. I was in grade five then. It basically looked like a day of festivities with no education whatsoever on what the day was actually about. Eventually, through school and being a content producer at Hope FM, a community radio station in the world, only then did I get to truly understand the significance of the 21st of March. And this made me realize just how little education there is that is accessible to the youth about this country's history. And this prevents us from fully understanding the struggle for freedom, which, in my opinion, has made us quite complacent and a little bit ignorant as the youth. So this episode is dedicated to the struggle for freedom. And I hope everyone, after listening to this episode, realizes um, the sacrifice it took to bring us to where we are now and how much work we still need to do to enshrine freedom in our society. In this episode, you will hear the voices of Tabu Magube and Jabulani Olifant. They came with riveting um, history that I think deserves a whole podcast on its own. Um, But I hope that it makes you realize things about um, the land that we currently reside on and also how the things that happened back then have literally shaped the world that we live in today. Uh, 
hello, my name is uh, Tabo Makobe uh, from the Royal Makobe family, um, a native indigenous of the Val. Uh, I don't know if, it's, if that introduction will surface if the, uh, for now, because now what you're going to talk about uh, is not something that I've read on books. It's not something that has been uh, you have gone to school for. It's something that's been passed on from generation to generation. It's basically uh, a history of a family, a history of a people, uh, a story of what happened in what we now call the Val uh, from, from the time when when European settlers uh, arrived uh, and beginning to form things that that are theirs on things that are actually ours. So I think we should dive straight in. Um, as I've mentioned from the last episode, there was an absence of black people, a very apparent one. So I need you to kind of, without going too far back, I want you to make like us understand where were black people, even maybe during uh, just a, a quick overview of what happened before the war, before the Anglo, yes, before the Anglo Blue War, and then second part is during the war, and then the third part, which is the question that I'm really asking is where were black people during those negotiations and the signing of the peace treaty okay to answer the the, the first question or what happened before the war mm. right like okay uh the boers were traveling from wherever the, where they traveled from and they came into the inlands of the land and uh, they were essentially two states that were found by the Europeans, which is uh, the Free State uh, and uh, the Transvaal, uh, which was called the South Africa Republic, which was uh, the Republic of England, basically. And then England wanted to expo exp expand and so on. And then, but this expansion of this Europeans was happening on a land that was owned by the natives that had kings. So now the Boers, as they were traveling along, uh, they were making friends. Uh, so as much as the English, as they were going, they were making friends with the natives. And then each and every one had their own arrangement. And to be precise, in the Val, they, they, they came and they're like, okay, uh, we are looking for farmland, we are hungry. Uh, we, we just pass our bys. We don't want to settle very much, but we, we are poor because they found very wealthy families here. And uh, and uh, when they arrived, they're like, okay, uh, because our culture, Boto, Boto, Ubuntu, it's, it's an Azanian culture. And I use the word Azania specifically uh, because key the actual name of the area of the land in its entirety but to be specific to the, the moribuanka thing which is now called the val 
the area ya Heigelbeck and uh, Mayaton, the actual name Ketebang, Mouto Amorenakadi, which Kadimo uh, Fuking, which was the king of Basoto, who was the the the, the father of Morena uh, Monyani le Mokhesing, which which bear, which bore Morena Mokhomi, who's the founder of the now uh, Basoto nation, right? Kenala Tola Morena Mosheshwe. Morena Mosheshwe the first was actually an orphan, but that's a story for another day. And then. Um, here in, in the Val, the area was Yabapedi. Uh, and the, 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 the land stretching on the Val River uh, between Heigleberg uh, to Paris, Kiamakobi, literally uh, speaking. And then we had cities here. Tibang uh, was a city. Uh, that's been there forever. And now, Bari uh, Tebang, they found, or uh, they found ancient ruins there and they are renaming, renaming them into Quining and so on. They don't understand because that we have always known the cities. And then there's Tui, which is by, by, by the Val, now the Valdem area. Uh, why uh, these cities were interacting with one another? Um, within a kingdom, uh, it, it had different branches. Uh, it was very wealthy with cattle, many cattle, and they were wealthy with 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 fields, uh, uh, fields of pony, fields study nuts, fields uh, like. Okay, and then let me just go to the cities. It was Deban, it was Tui. Uh, there's uh, another village. Uh, Three rivers, it's still called Makoko until today. It's still called Makoko. The full name came Makoko Amakobe. What happened there was that um, cattle trade was one of the biggest businesses of the time. And then cattle hide was huge. It was the, the fashion of the time. So Makoko, it's still called Makoko until yeah. today. So Anakatsamakokon to be formed into meds, into gametes, and so on. There was an economy already, a wealthy economy of our people in the area before Europeans came. Now come uh, the 1887, I think, 87, 88, before the Anglo-Boer War, English wants to expand, Boers want to get more farming land and now they they are stuck into like okay guys uh some boers want to side with the english and 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 and, and they, are, they are leaving the boer camp to go side with the english diminishing diminishing the numbers of the boers during the war right and then some 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 natives are saying but this this war between these uh, visitors these settlers it's it's for our things. So let's get together and see how we can fight this. And then the world saw that. They're like, oh, wait, let's go sit down in a maquis. Because they had a maquis uh, in now called Forenache, Tentenyana, where they sit down and discuss their, their war plans. So, hey, uh, 
de la Rey, Hertog, General Christian Divet. How are we going to go about with this situation? What's happening? We are losing numbers. We, Because uh, this war was countrywide. We are losing numbers and we we might as well just give up and, and, and go to sit down with Lord Kitchener and Lord Milner and, and, and sit down with them and say, we are putting our weapons down. We are pledging so we are we are letting England take over, and we are having a peace treaty. So they went to Pretoria on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know what it was a Saturday. The, all I remember in in a Saturday it was a Saturday on the thirteenth of March in nineteen o two. They sat down there and they all signed. But now they didn't include the kings. The kings and the native owners of the land, they did not include them. And you know what Britain did? The crown gave the Boers three million pounds. Three million pounds and say, guys, no, thank you. Uh, you are now under us. And then, yes, money and yes, loans. Go and do farming. Now, now here's this thing. Now they have three million pounds. Now they need land. Remember, these people can offer the natives of the land, which are very wealthy, anything. They don't need anything from them. Trading has been happening in, in our land with other nations throughout history. Uh, can I just ask you, they yeah. didn't uh, the war displace... Um, the pe the black people in, in in the region already um yeah no 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 uh the reason why the the natives went into the war was to protect their families was to protect their land was to protect they they they, they went to where they saw uh, the English have a firepower. Others saw that the Afrikaners have the firepower. That's why the war was divided like that. Mm -hmm. That is why today is called the South African War, because it was involving everybody that was seeking to protect their own interests at the time. You understand? So, mm -hmm. and clearly uh, the, 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 the Europeans which is the Dutch Europeans and the English Europeans uh, betrayed the natives. Mm -hmm. Both of them, both sides betrayed the natives. The, the, the English e Europeans didn't come and say, uh, because uh, you fought with us against the Boers, we're going to secure you a piece of your wealth here and there. No. Uh, and so did the Boers. They didn't say because you fought with us against the English, we're going to secure you, your peace here and there. Instead, they displaced people from Tebang, which is Mayaton, and, and sent them and found Bo Everton. And Everton and Seboke and the actual names, there were people there already. There were farms there, but they were taken over by the English at the first place. And then, but now they were selling it. Now you get sold, you get to buy what is already yours. And then now, uh, uh, Everton was established in, I think, in 1904. 1904 yeah. In 1904, Everton was established. 
and people were taking there and then and then uh, all, uh, economy started to boom for for the boers because now now they are seeing oh, no man this is not working man these people are wealthy they are buying they are, they are, we are forcing them out of Tebang, which is Heidelberg, Mayaten, and the surrounding areas, Tui, and so on, which is Tui is the actual name, yeah, Three Rivers. Oh. Three Rivers, the land between the Heidelberg and, uh, and the Val, and uh, the, today's Denaysville oh. is called Tui. And they, they, they took the land, Bo Cooper, Cooper took the land, Bezeton Ho took the land, they just took it. And and then, and then Anglo took the mining rights. Anglo-American and Anglo took the mining rights. So they're going to keep on mining still today, till today. The mines that were there, that our people are using, are still owned by Bo Anglo. You understand? And they found us mining. Where do you think we got Lerilantate, uh, which is made out of iron? Where do you think we got that iron from? Lejueli um, Putwa. The name literally putwa. Uh, where do you think it comes from? It means gold. Um, uh, the, 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 why, 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 the iron tips ta, 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 of, 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 the, of the spear. It, it's, it's proof of mining, which has been happening long before uh, uh, the Great Wreck, to be precise. So now here we are sitting, uh, the English. And the and the and, and the Afrikaner they come together, and then they are sat, they are signing this treaty of Ferienaching. That does not include the natives because neither of them are as wealthy as the native. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that they can offer that the native wants. The native can say, "Okay, guys, we can rent you space. You can come, but you must pay your taxes." But they were not paying anything. They don't want it. They wanted to dispossess. They wanted to take over. And they wanted to take away humanity of these people because there's nothing else they can offer besides destroying these people. And then now, right, uh, the war happened, uh, the treaty was signed. Now it's honky-dory for everybody but the native. Now come uh, at the later stage, they are forming LTA, uh, they're forming townships, they're forming zonings. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah, I think you're getting into my second question already. So it's then obviously after the peace treaty, the, 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 Dutch, the Dutch people yeah. or the Afrikaners, as they're now called, yes. um, were now basically given this, 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 this land that is now called South Africa for them to develop and make their own country. Right? So what I was going to ask was, I get it now they're tasked, they have the three million pounds that they were given as for, that we can call reparations, yes. right? So what are the events that followed? You can include that legislation that you talked about, but I was going to ask, what are the events that followed after the signing of the peace treaty? Now, 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 these guys have bucks. Né? They have proper bucks, according to them. They have money. That they have three million pounds and uh, other loans for farming and so on. Now, they cannot. No one is willing to sell. The natives are not willing to sell their land. They'd rather say, okay, come and plow with us. 
because it's, it's it's our culture to ubuntu we cannot let another starve we cannot we, we don't have poverty in our history we don't have we don't we our culture does not allow poverty that's why today you go next door you go ask next door do you have sugar do you have rice it's it's innate it's engraved in our culture it's innate in it's it's in, engraved in us you understand so now here comes these people are saying oh, but now uh, we 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 need we need the the whole thing so to certain other families they're like okay uh they're developing the natives the the, the natives land act right of 1913 that was actually designed just to dispossess people of land but now they are still realizing that the natives are still powerful they're still powerful so they're like but their power is more because now they are siding with they are together with the british but to to make things a bit easier they're saying no some of them will give them grazing rights imagine now someone takes your cell phone and says now it's now my cell phone but I can give you the rights to make phone calls only. You cannot WhatsApp. You cannot. You cannot go on social media. If you need to make a call, you can make a call. Now they give them grazing rights. What grazing rights? They make them sign documents and and say to them, "No, look, no. Uh, England won. We, uh, we 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 are now taking over everything." And they did that. And then they took them, began to move people from areas of interest into pockets of labor. These pockets of labor were townships. They took people from what was called um, part of, uh, of um, Makobe land, uh, they called it top location, uh, but they shifted people there and develop Sharpville. That was the form then the formation of political parties happened. Uh-huh. Where 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 the, the formation of political parties 1912, which is um, the formation of the 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 Conte, what's the name of the ANC, the first name? <laughs> In 1912 the long one. The, the, long one. the, the, the South African <laughs> natives. I know it's S A N N C. I don't know what the National Congress was found in 1912 because mm. because of this. So my knowledge of land disposition and displacement in South Africa is only really based on the stories of District Six and um, Sophia Town, and it's only because these are the two that feature quite prominently in the in the schooling curriculum especially between the grades of eight and nine, because I I did not do um, history beyond that. And in the next part of this conversation, we'll be going into um, the roots of the formations of townships. And we'll be talking about one of the oldest townships in South Africa, which is Everton. And just how it came to be and the true history of its activism and how it played such a pivotal role, um, not just in the history of the Vol, but in the history of South Africa. Uh, and we will be talking to someone that um, works uh, in the space of 
unraveling or uncovering the history of Everton. Uh, so my name is Jablani Oliphant, an Evertonian by birth and by blood veins. Uh, I'm an activist. I'm a mentor. On my right, I'm a community developer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is who I am. An independent researcher as well. After 1902, remember black people were landless. And in Everton, I'm coming to Everton. Yeah? People were landless, were staying in farms. You see? After others were on the side of the British forces helping them, they were they were chased away in the farms by boars. Mm. And after the war, you must know that the war makes a place to be poor. The whites said, man, this is too much because this war, uh, the, the land is too big. We need to do something about land. Now, there were people by the name of the, they were people from the migrants of uh, Eastern Cape who came to Transvaal because of the discovery of coal and mm. the, 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 you know, the, the, the of gold, uh, uh, because uh, now because of that, many people want to come here because they they, they were seeing development and work, yeah, yeah, for work purpose. Now these people came here in the transfer. They were called the Ethiopianists. Okay. Yes, <clears throat> these are the group of black people. Mainly, most of them were Kosa speaking. The referendances, your Enoch Sontongas. Uh, there's a group of them, they were Lord from Sikinyas. They came here in the Transvaal. Now they see what the people, and they were mostly of priesthood mm. as Ethiopianists. Now they see uh, black people are suffering in their own country, in their own land, they are landless. They started to fight for the rights for black people to own land. They were fighting for two things, land and edu- education, you see. Now, by then, the economic activities was farming and agriculture. Black people were, were, were used as servants, you understand? Now, during that era, around after the peace treaty, migrating to the Transvaal, they started to challenge the government, the, what mm. we called the Volksrat Act, that uh, prohibits black people to own land. 1864, 1860. You must check all those acts of folks That were prohibiting black people to own land, you see, and land to be registered under their names. Mm. That is how Everton was Agents, the white families who were settling the farm around in that era, the Adams family. Mm. Now they became the agents who were subdividing the farm. And Everton was uh, was born out of that farm. That is the portion of the farm. The 362 IQ, that is why portion of Everton. The farm under the farm fell the BS Fontaine. Mm. You see. Now, uh, the, the, these people, after they've won the war at court, Reverend James Tansy was on the forefront, you see. Uh, also, there was another one who fought for the rights of Soway to Clipsprate, who was part of the group, mm. that referent, Edward Seu. 
Professor Kumalo is recording that history <clears throat> starting from that era mm. of 1905 when the first black people started to acquire land and own it. That is why Wilberforce is so important in Everton. It mm. becomes the first property to be acquired and to be owned by black people. So now in my readings, how how Gwaka Wilberforce, it has come like for me the way i understand it it was like a institute of like education mm. and de- mm. and development and stuff so how did a place like wilberforce play into the life yeah but by everton uh, wilberforce it's a, it's a it's a pilgrimage of everton mm. you cannot it's like a starting point mm. if you want to know everton you can't talk everton without wilberforce that is where the actual history start of township mm. and economic development around Everton. You see, now Wilberforce became a very central and important place because of a uh, status or the, uh, the freehold status, the first to be acquired by black people, by Reverend Dancy and others. You see, now when Short McGregor came, he, he, she came already, there was an uh, institute. But before it was not called Wilberforce, mm. it was named Derek, uh, Lillian Derrick Institute before he, she joined it. Now, Short McGregor joined, rejoined it in 1908. Mm. It's when the renaming and the growth became part of the co-founders were to expand it. And are many others, not here. Them Sikinias were also important. There are a lot of them. The reference to the uncle to Short McGregor was already here. They were part of the Ethiopian church. You see in Everton. There's a lot of people who were part who have started Everton. But the property, the the ownership of the property mm. was uh, acquired by the dances. You see. Th- th- that is very key. You must this that is the the history of land, freehold mm. and education. Wilberforce starting Wilberforce. That is why a freehold uh, a land or uh, freehold rights is different from leasehold. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is what makes you Everton unique. Everton and Alexander became unique because of the freehold rights. Mm-hmm. You see, it's not owned by government; it's owned by the people. So, so in a in a time when black people were only allowed to lease land, but by Everton and Alexandra were actually had title deeds yes other land but alexander had a challenge it's everton that had more of title deeds mm. alexander had a lot of challenges but wherever they were able to get title deeds that is why the first title deed started in 1905 mm. that wilberforce was acquired as a plot in fact not as a stand became a big uh, plot is that was acquired a subdivision mm. so you see now the first Owner to have a stand that will be a size stand mm. because Wilberforce is different. It's a big site that was acquired by the black people mm. uh, through the help of AME. That is how AME in 1891 came in South Africa. Bishop Turner, he helped mm. those people to finance them for, for those court, court cases, the, the Ethiopian leaders. Uh, you see. Because they, they, they have challenges with finance, uh, finances in order to challenge the act that were prohibiting black people to own land. Now, uh, AME played an important role. That is why AME, it says a Wilbur Force is an, it's a, it's a property of AME. Mm. The AME has invested a lot. 
to help those people to fight and win their battle mm. and to acquire the land as well you see they were helpful now what i want to say mm. the first person to own the the stand in everton uh, in 1907 was mr zungu mm. yes you understand that 1907 but everton started in 1905 as a township how did that come about there were agents of uh, in Everton in small farms. Mm. That was a farm as well, owned by the Adams family. Uh, the Adams family were responsible as agents to sell and subdivide the land. Mm. There were other agents like Mr. Mzimbas in Everton, who were part of the agents, sales agents, the state agents. They were, the estate agents was located in small farms mm -hmm. that was responsible for people of Everton to buy the land. Mm -hmm. Now, after people hearing that there's a land for black people, people can buy land, most of them migrated here. They were told by friends who were working in Joburg, that is how they came here. Others, others they heard as an institution and they were academics. They, they love to be in the black institution mm -hmm. and they end up loving to be near to that institution. They bought properties. You see, that is how Everton was developed. You see, there was no by then there were no was no Sharpville, there was no Pipato because those uh, townships came later mm. due to industrialization. Mm. But what the, the importance of the Val development after the war, the Boers rose again to rebuild uh, the economy of the of the Val in South Africa. Mm. Now. After the, that, because remember, uh, during that Anglo-Boer War, Heidelberg became the provincial government of Transvaal. That is why Heidelberg is part of the uh, of the Val. Mm -hmm. Since long time ago, and it, it was a provincial government of Transvaal under the Boers. It's where Paul Kruger was put as a president in Heidelberg. Was you see? So I think even when you say that. Freehold status over the land, right? <clears throat> Them fighting it could be viewed as uh, activism yeah, of some sort. So, yeah, that's what I want to go into. Can we say, can we, can we kind of like pinpoint where, uh, or maybe even just tell us about the in the a little bit go into detail about what the court case was and following that how did people um in in Everton but how uh, and the rest of the valley eventually uh, start uh, their political activism well, in fact, this is one of the milestone of the political war of land mm. this is Everton was very instrumental this is where you see these Ethiopian, Ethiopianist leaders mm -hmm. who fought for that land rights. The Reverend Tansis, Reverend Edward Zehu, Bumkatai, mm -hmm. Reverend Mukoni. There was a group of them, you see, mm -hmm. who fought for the rights for land to say we need to have our own land, our own land. We cannot be the indigenous people of the land, but we are landless. Mm -hmm. That is where the, the political activis activism started mm -hmm. of land. That is why later, uh, when you see there were a lot of political activists that were birthed uh, in Wilberforce, mm. we saw the likes of the, the first uh, convert of 
a communist party a black communist party who the first convert black black first the first black person to join communist party mm. from wilberforce you see mm? albert nzola mm. and he became the first editor and the first black person uh, to go to lenin university where he mm. died today in moscow from wilberforce mm. you see now you see the political dispensation of everton it has brought a lot you talk about uh, the, the the leaders who came from far who were uh, powerful leaders of anc who touched the soil of everton who were also connected to wilberforce your charlotte mateke your dr dube dube Langalbalele Dube, Dube. He even got the wife here in Everton after his first wife passed away mm. uh, from the Kumalos. Then we've got Doctor Doctor uh, uh, Kuma, who worked with my great grandmother at Everton Clinic, who was one of the board of trustees of Wilberforce. Uh, mm. This way, Chinese, both salt plagi, reference, uh, bo. Dr. Moroka, they were coming here in Wilberforce. These were big giants who were coming in uh, for political uh, reasons. You see, because Everton attracted a lot of people. Uh, your Gaura Debe, the man who, who taught Mandela politics, who introduced mm. Mandela into politics from Everton, Gaura Debe. You understand? Mm. The potato by court, these are the political uh, uh, turning points uh, of South Africa. Mm. It was Everton was very influential, was ahead. Helped the band from Pumalanga to Everton, meeting these political leaders in Everton. You understand? And the, the, the power of journalism, because there were powerful journalists who, un, who uncovered the story of the mystery of the potato boycott, mm. which, which made it a reality. It became a national strike. There, there was a man, a journalist by the name of Jeremiah Kombai, mm. Kombami, who went secretly into the farm. In, in Delmas and discovered the hand of a black person who was, because they were using the bodies of black people as a manure. That is why they, 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 he discovered the story, the hand, they, that it is true that you are using black people as a manure and mm. as fertilizers to grow potatoes, which led to the potato national strike of potato by court. And where Heltseban, they were attending those court cases from Everton using a bike, challenging the, 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 that verdict, challenging that 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 thing. Yeah, I'm into I'm a potato. Mm. Or the people, black people are treated as slaves. You see, there's a lot that Everton has contributed. The prison trialist from mm. Everton, the Azquela became the Azquela Zuyakwela, became one of the longest boycott in South Africa from mm. Everton. You understand? These are the political dispensations mm. that has happened, which are not even celebrated because we have far, a far richer history than other townships. Mm. There are a lot of people who migrated from here to other townships. Mm, mm, you understand? Mm, mm, mm. Notable people, you see, whom others are ashamed even to talk about their origins from everything. Mm. You see? We have a lot. Everton has produced a lot for South Africa. Before the 1960s, you know that the, the biggest march of mm. 1960, uh, it was uh, led by Z.B. Molete and other mm. leaders of Everton. Here, they were in Everton, in Everton to residential. That was the biggest march. Mm. 
but because they were uh, going to the side that was white owned because residential was a white owned area mm. you understand where mr declare comes from and others there are a lot of them it was an estate of everton a well up market place area of everton where there was a hotel there were a lot of this a uh, lot of things the, it's where the march uh, uh, where, where went to. They went to the uh, old Barai police station mm. to hand over those passes. Mm. Now they were these people were unable to the the, the apartheid system uh, were unable to shoot them because they were afraid that when they shoot it will kill also the white people. Mm. Hence they moved from there residential to Shaville. As we were talking with both my interviewees, there were brief mentions of incidents that happened in the VAR or were somehow connected with the VAR that I felt needed at least some brief descriptions for people uh, to understand. Um, and also just to give a timeline of the struggle that happened for South Africa to reach its democratization. 1905, the Tseu court case. This was litigation against the Crown government on the matter of land tenure rights. The Folksrad, which was the legislative assembly of the Boer republics in South Africa during the latter half of the 19th century, had resolved to prohibit natives from squatting on crowned lands, and this made it illegal for natives to own land. The judgment in Reverend Edward Zeus' case made it lawful for Africans to buy white farms and thus freehold rights were realized in the township of Everton. 1995, Asquely Bus Boycott The biggest and most effective bus boycott in Everton lasted several months. It began at the end of 1955 and ended early in 1956. It is this round of the Everton bus boycott that inspired others in the other in other parts of the country during 1956 and 1957. The cause of this bus boycott was fare increases. In this case, the bus operator was forced to reduce the fares. 1959 Potato Boycott May to September 1959 the potato boycott this potato boycott was a protest against the inhumane working conditions of the farm laborers in Bethal Mpumalanga Gert Sabanda who was a farm laborer himself from the age of 15 was banned from Bethal in 1953 after he joined the ANC he subsequently moved to Everton and continued to fight for the rights of farm laborers Ruth First and Henry and Ngumalo are the journalists that made the issues in Bethal come to light in the media. 1960, Sharpeville Massacre. Anti-pass marches in various parts of the country became a tragic day when 69 people were murdered and 180 seriously injured in Sharpeville when police started shooting at peaceful protesters at the Sharpeville police station. 1984, Val Uprising. The Legua and Everton town councils idea to raise tariffs for municipal services caused the demonstrations and stayaways in the Val Triangle. 
the World Civic Association organized a stay away school boycott and march for 3 September 1984, which led to clashes with both police and township councillors and left 30 people dead. The marchers also looted shops, set fire to houses and killed four councillors. By the end of the year, almost 150 people had been killed in political violence, which increased to 600 by September 1985 as the revolts spread across the country and the government declared a state of emergency. A group that came to be known as the Shabbal Sikhs were sentenced to death, but their sentences were reduced to life after international lobbying and outcry for their release. 26 March 1990, Holtkop Massacre. Police opened fire on a crowd of 50,000 people who were marching from Sibukeng to Ferenaheng to present a list of grievances. A petition was presented to the police commander by the head of the Vol Civic Association, Mr. Bavumile Vilagazi. It is alleged that as he was speaking to the crowd, the police opened fire without warning. Tear gas was also used. At least 13 people died and more than 400 were injured. Many of the injured people were shot in the back. 1991, Nanga Massacre. On the night of 12 January 1991, more than 300 people were killed while attending an all-night vigil held in a tent in Sibukeng, where weeping mourners paid final respects to their community, to their comrade, and community leader Chris Nangalembe, who was a member of the African National Congress. 1992, Wipatong Massacre. On the 17th of June, 1992, the Joe Slova informal settlement in Wipatong outside of Ferenaheng was attacked by a group of 300 armed men from Kwamadala Hostel in nearby Sibugeng Township. The armed men were affiliated to the IFP and observers suspected that the attack was aimed at undermining the delicate process of the negotiations between the National Party government and the African National Congress. In response to the massacre, the ANC withdrew from the negotiations, blaming the NP government for the attack. June 1993. At the beginning of June 1993, the Negotiating Council of the Multi-Party Negotiating Process agreed to set the election date for 27 April 1994. And finally, in the early hours of 18 November 1993, the Negotiating Council of the Multi-Party Negotiating Process adopted a comprehensive package agreement including an electoral act and the interim constitution giving legal basis for the transitional institutions and specifying non-negotiable constitutional principles that became the basis for South Africa's democratization pact. Um, I think one of the things that stood out for me now it's how you mentioned Dabaya 
um, that our people have always been fighting for the basics, right? Um, even relating that to the Val uprisings where it was an issue of um, service delivery. And I find the parallels in the history and today where, <clears throat> I mean, we are under administration right now, in Fulini municipalities under administration. Hey, some people, I, I was in, I was visiting somebody in Sibokeng not too long ago, and they said that like during the day from nine to like five, from or maybe even six till five p.m., they have like lower water pressure. And I know that in areas, some areas in Shopville where, uh, well, I guess it's it's countrywide into air load reduction. Um, and just how roads look, waste management, um, out of all of Coming to issue your yeah, service delivery yeah, today, right? The reason behind it, in my opinion, I want to clearly state this, is that when townships were built and when uh, human settlements were built in the beginning for the natives, they were not designed to have service delivery. They were not designed to have running water in each and every single household. Uh, a tap was probably maybe one tap per every 10 kilometers. Uh, they were not designed for that. They were not, uh, uh, power stations were not designed to provide electricity to, this, to the township. Mm. Uh, the design of it was for a particular group of people. With the historical facts considered, right? Mm -hmm. Going into especially local government elections where they're mainly about service delivery. Yes. What do you think most especially? Like I was so disappointed that I think only about 300, 350 plus people are newly registered to vote. And in the stats say like, not even half of the people that are eligible to vote in South Africa vote. So, the door to the door to to vote at this point is closed mm -hmm. if you didn't register, you know. Mm -hmm. But there are those that have registered. But also, can I win our national elections next year? In the next, they're soon, right? They are soon. They are soon, right? And I, I hope that people keep this in mind. Like, maybe the door have, might have closed now or they're going to vote this year for the first time or the second time or whatever. What do you think they should consider when making the decision to vote? Actually, what? let's start here. What do you think about political freedom? Because as, as you said, um, our leaders at the time of CODES and stuff were... Um, trying to stop the bloodshed and 
afford to give us a little bit of freedom? What I would say is that I know this may sound very unpopular, mm. but we should be very grateful and sure. thank and very thankful mm. for our forefathers, for where we are at, uh, for for the freedom that we have right now. It allowed us to attain education. It allowed mm. us to be getting more and as fast and so on and so forth. And then it has allowed us to 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 develop ourselves to 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 the extent of saying, no, guys, uh, at this stage that in our in our areas, what is it that we are doing? You understand if we want to exert uh, uh, something, if we want something to happen, sometimes we should now, outside of just voting, we should ourselves take charge of our lives because of the opportunities uh, that have been given to us yeah. uh, by those that came before us, yeah. and we should use those opportunities to better ourselves. And uh, I'll make another example. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a group here in Three Rivers and other places where people see already portals, they're everywhere. The resident there associations. Resident associations. That is a good move. Mm. But now, but now we must be careful. Mm. Well, as much as we are having the resident, uh, resident association, we should not be broken. We should not be broken apart from the common goal, from yeah. the common cause. Because one of the greatest mechanisms of destroying a people is to divide them into multiple pieces yeah. so that they couldn't come together and have a strong vote. Let's give this 27-year-old a chance. Uh, and, and by doing that, we have to give ourselves a chance by leading in, in our own immediate environments. Mm. By not saying that we are going to pass on the back, we are going to have expectations from the next person, we can have leaders that we put into place mm. and we, we can go. And how do we do that? How do we do that? You become, you become active in your environment, mm. your immediate environment. Mm. If you are not active in, a, in your immediate environment, someone else will. Mm. And whatever. And that person might not have your interests at heart. At heart. Yes. If you are not active in your immediate environment, if you are not going to make decisions about your own life, someone else will. Mm. So, what you need to do is that if you want to have a proper voice, go into the structure that is proper. Your vote is your voice. Mm. Your vote is your voice. And, and, and look deep within yourself. Where do you see the country? Where do you see your area in the next five years? How would you like your area to be, to be viewed at? How would you like to be led? And what is it that you can afford to happen? What are the pros and cons? If you go a particular way, what's going to happen? What may not get, are you going to get the, what you are, or not? Are there going to be grants or not? Are you going to be having education or not? Uh, are you going to have uh, the access that you're having or not? Uh, you're looking at those, you look at the, the things that are benefiting self, but at a greater, at a larger perspective, mm. a, 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 at a broader perspective, because we need to take care of one another. But to start taking care of one another, we first need to start taking care of ourselves so that we can be influential 
to one another. Mm. You understand? I think I think when it comes to your vote, which is your voice, you should look into that. When I go vote, why am I voting? Mm. And considering that, have you been active or not? Have you been uh, have you been in the know or not? What is it that you have been interested in? Mm. You understand? You cannot cry over something that you never cried over for. You, you can never, you can never, oh man, go complain whereas you are not part of the process. You let someone else to brush your shoes, and then when you come, you're like, ah, but my shoes are black. Why are they brown? I polish take a polish brown, but I have black shoes. But because you you didn't polish them yourself, let us be active. Does not mean now let's go now join political party. When they have meetings, let's go and listen. Let's go add our word. Let's go tell them during the meetings. Let's go tell them during the 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 the, 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 the design and development of legislature and and bills and so on. Let's be active. Currently. So uh, this past few years, two, three years, uh, the People's Parliament was going to uh, township to township throughout the country, uh, town to town, wanting to hear the take on, on the people on the ground about the expropriation of land without yeah. compensation. I was expecting the whole country to come out. Mm. It's only a few people that came out. Mm. And every time I went to a few, and every time it's the same faces. Because we need to identify what is it that we are interested in. Yeah. Are we interested in, benefit, in, in improving our lives and being progressive in the improvement of our life, ourselves? Or are we interested in assigning another person to go do the best for us instead of doing it ourselves? That is, that is what I can say when it comes to the vote. A vote with your right mind. A vote knowing where you come from, mm. knowing where you are going, and also knowing that what is it that you are doing currently mm. that will influence your vote. Okay. I want to challenge you just for a, a short answer. Nah. Somebody inspired me to vote. Okay, sharp. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm in time for voting. Obviously, like, I just feel passionate about certain things, but uh, I'm not necessarily active, you know? Um, but I really do want to vote, you know? Manifestos are boring to read and all of that, right? So what do you advise? What would you advise a young person that wants to vote but actually feels intimidated by political speak also. What do you think is the easiest way to go about it? The best way to go about it is inform yourself mm. at your own time. Mm. Don't, don't necessarily go and listen. Inform yourself, make an informed decision. Information is power. Mm. Once you can have as much information as possible, around the foundation of, because voting is political parties, around the foundation and the reason why these parties were there in the first place and where they are at and what they are busy with and what is their promises, others that will they meet or would not meet, and what is their fundamental goal? 
what is it that is what is by yourself you don't need to go listen to a speech by someone uh, with the biggest vivas or the just sit down by yourself go one by one at your time at your pace mm. at this at these parties that are presenting themselves to you and consider historical facts consider current events consider also another thing that uh, uh, their plan you know uh, how they are how are they working what is their modus operandi look into that look into the their constitutions of their individual constitutions do they fit you in mm. where do you fit in where are you best suited where are you best suited that 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 is that is what that is what i can say at, at your own time at your own pace you know i know the, the elections are around the corner and so on it's it's pressure on pressure they will be coming with uh, roses and and all sorts of and t-shirts <laughs> and caps and and the different uh, posters and smiling at you now and uh, hands giving kissing babies i don't know in south africa they kiss babies <laughs> And then, you know, with all sorts of agendas, all sorts of, mm. you know, uh, drama and fantastic things. Why not just sit down and see what is best suited for you? Mm. Um, and happy, one of the best ones that I like looking at is transparency. Who are the most transparent? Who are the most, who can say to you, uh, yeah, I can know this one is a mess up and this one within the structures. Uh, you can you can see man you, you can tell for yourself uh, you cannot be directed into a direction that is not well suited for you mm. unless if you are the type that say ah nah, nah, i'm not into into these things i'm going to let them do their thing and when they do they when they do their thing you like come back yeah but i told you you told me what because when i didn't go and do what you, you were supposed to do for yourself On that note, I think it can end it there. Mm. I think there are many dot, dot, dots to a lot of conversations that we can have mm. that hopefully we'll have at a later stage in time um, because this, his, well, history is, a lot of history has been hidden um, and we don't know about it and it's not properly documented. Mm. And that also is makes it inaccessible. And I think if we can make it easier for people to know um, more sides of history, mm. um, then we'll carve out a better picture of the truth. The people of South Africa recognize the injustices of our past 
Honor those who have suffered for justice and freedom in our land. Respect those who have worked to build and develop our country and believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. We therefore, through our freely elected representatives, adopt this constitution as the supreme law of the Republic, so as to heal the divisions of the past and establish a society based on democratic values, social justice, and fundamental human rights. Lay the foundations for a democratic and open society in which government is based on the will of the people and every citizen is equally protected by law. Improve the, the quality of life of all citizens and free the potential of each person. And build a united and democratic South Africa able to take its rightful place as a sovereign state in the family of nations. That is the preamble of the South African Constitution that was finally signed on the 10th of December 1994 in Sharpville. And I think it reiterates the closing that I did in the last episode, that it is imperative that as young people we begin to actively take part in our political freedom as a majority in this country because it was fought so hard for and people actually died for their right just to mock X on their desired political candidate. Join us next week uh, for the third episode. Um, and in the meantime, please just join the conversation on social media by following at uh, Yearning for Change on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also follow my personal account on Twitter at black underscore mujere, mujere spelled as M-O-K-H-E-R-E. Please stay home, stay safe, get vexed, and know that your vote matters. Thank you.